Are you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, how rain increases the number of insects and invertebrates in your home. Your teacher is Dr. Eliza Middleton, lab manager of the Invertebrate Behaviour and Ecology Lab at the University of Sydney. Eliza, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Why do they all come in when it's raining? Well, it's, it's a bit dry. I want to go somewhere a bit dry if it's raining a bit too much. If we if we think about all of our little invertebrate friends that are out in the in the leaf litter around us or under your house or somewhere like that, as soon as somewhere gets a bit too wet for them to feel comfortable or, or gets flooded out, like the burrows of spiders or things like that. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna head for higher ground. They're gonna go for somewhere drier. And the higher ground may well be your home. Exactly. Mm. There's so many of them that where the where the numbers seem to have increased. I mean, mozzies are obvious, but uh, just I think about my own house: snails, uh, slugs. Uh, maybe even um, uh, 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 spiders, Uh, they seem to be more of those. Yeah, so anything that you kind of think about that you probably don't see all that often in your backyard because they're hidden underneath all of the leaves or they're in the garden, Uh, they're going to start to come inside trying to get a reprieve from from all the wet And, and that'll include you might see an increase in you know, millipedes around or cockroaches and slugs. And, you know, in in my house, we've had a couple of leeches. Um, so they're, they're looking for something just a little bit drier than, than what's going on for them at the moment. For the ones who are still outside, are the conditions, you know, provided, uh, providing, the, you know, the, the burrows aren't drowned and, and that sort of thing, I imagine, you know, in some things, in some ways, the, the growth might actually produce a, a breeding opportunity. Yeah, it it. it it tends to be a bit of a, a combination of things. So uh, whilst in the short term, you'll definitely definitely see an increase in, in insects around your house, um, it, it does actually conceal a bit of a bigger picture of invertebrate decline. Uh, generally, after periods of flooding, the abundance of invertebrates that we have around can fall by more than 90%. And the species diversity, which is the number of different type of species that you have in a given area can also significantly drop. But then kind of coupled with that is obviously all of this rain increases the greenery around us. So there's a lot more food, there's a lot more habitat, more opportunities for mating for for many species. So you can have breeding booms as well, but it just can take a bit of time for your cohort of different species to kind of get back to where they were if they were ever able to you might find that something that wasn't dominant before in your garden now becomes dominant after because all of the other invertebrates that were around got washed away or, or something like that. Mm. I saw an amazing thing at the local park the other day. I think I counted just in, in one square metre of, of path about 15 small worms. I, I guess the, they were drowning under the soil, which was so wet, they were coming up to the surface yeah. and, and trying to get dry on the path. Yeah, that's exactly it. People always wonder why the worms are coming out when it rains and it's because it's just just too wet for them underground. Mm. All right. So the, the, if, if, you're, if you're right about this 90% decrease in some cases in vertebrate numbers, that's significant, isn't it? Because they're incredibly important in, 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 in decomposition, in soil cycling, in, in just keeping the whole process going. Yeah. No, exactly. And, and that's kind of one of the things that, I mean, we have to think about when it comes to the impact of 
this level of rain that we're seeing and, and the flooding events that are happening, you know, they're, they're obviously impacting us and our infrastructure and, and our housing and that kind of thing. But further to that, floods themselves, they trigger the landslides, erosion, introduce pollutants and soil into our waterways, which lead to algal blooms. And then if we're also coupled with all of that devastation, wiping out all of these invertebrates, um, we, we're going to see negative impacts because they are so important for, you know, soil cycling and, and decomposition and maintaining and improving habitat. Uh, you know, they, they help prevent soil erosion. The nutrient cycling keeps our ecosystems helping, uh, healthy. So without them um, being washed away, you know, in, in these kind of events, it really leads to a lot of habitat instability, which you know also doesn't doesn't bode well for us if if we're trying to recover uh, what we've lost in these places. I agree with you about all of that, Eliza, except for maybe the <laughs> mosquito. I still don't see the point of the mosquito. <laughs> I don't think many people do, but Richard, you might be pleased to know that there is one species of mosquito that preys on other mosquitoes. All power to them, I say. <laughs> Because <laughs> their numbers are up a lot, aren't they? I, I, again, this is based on personal experience. Yeah, so I mean, generally for for our mosquitoes, every year the populations, you know, they peak around summer, and then the mosquito-borne diseases. Obviously, I mean, apart from them just being a nuisance-biting pest, they also bring along that risk of of the mosquito-borne diseases. They tend to peak a little bit after, obviously, in in March and April, and this is without the extreme events, but while we're at the tail end of, of our summer now, all of the, ex- the extreme weather and the flooding that we've been seeing because of these La Nina patterns, they're likely to boost these mosquito numbers in the coming months, which means that we may not be at the peak of our mosquito numbers yet, which also means that it, it's a little bit hard to predict, but um, we're we don't know exactly when the peak of those mosquito-borne diseases might happen as well. And some of them are significant. Obviously, everyone's mind is on Japanese encephalitis at the moment, but but Ross River is the one we've been dealing with for a long time. Yeah, Ross River is one that we've had in Australia for um, obviously quite a long time. It is not fatal, but uh, it can be debilitating. And after all the rainfall that we had in 2020 that, you know, kind of broke those uh, horrific fires that we had. New South Wales had its largest outbreak of Ross River virus on record. So, it's it's something that um, is of of concern, especially with how it can impact people long term. You know, you can get fever and rash and joint pains and those things. To, you know, might not quite go away ever again. Um, and tiredness as well. A lot of people experience experience that. So the impact that it has long term is is quite significant. Mm-hmm. What do we do? I mean, we'll talk about the other insects as well, um, especially once it stops raining, if that ever happens. But but what about the mosquitoes? <laughs> there are some things you can do to control the population, aren't there? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's obviously a little bit difficult in the sense that you can't stop the mosquitoes coming into your place from somewhere outside of your place. So you know, if you're living in an area or your your property is in an area where you've got to do a massive clean up, but you're right next to a wetlands or there's still a flooded park or something like that. You can't control the mosquitoes coming in from there. Uh, but you can limit your exposure. Um, insecticides are obviously a short-term fix, 
Uh, and the, the problem with them is that most of them are broad spectrum, which means they'll kill off many beneficial insects as well, which, you know, as we mentioned earlier, can, can be a bit of a problem for the recovery of, of your environment. Um, so instead, it's, it's better to go for more of those physical barriers. So the insect screens that you have on windows, mosquito netting is, is pretty quick to put up um, over your bed if you've got them in your home. Getting rid of any water holding containers, your gutters, drains, those kind of things. They're popular places for the mosquitoes to breed, as long as it's, you know, obviously safe safe to do this. Um, and then uh, wearing long sleeve shirts, long pants. Um, but on top of that, there are mosquito repellents that may be useful, though not all of them that you can get over the, uh, over the counter are effective. So you want to choose products that contain chemicals like DEET, um, picaridin, and oil of lemon eucalyptus. They're the ones that have been shown to provide the best protection. And if you're hesitant, obviously, to use repellent, as some people are, you, you know, cover your skin or you can get some limited success from something like mosquito coils, but you generally have to be pretty close to them for them to be effective for you. Or marry someone who's more attractive to them than you are. Yeah, somebody that's typo or they've got like typo blood blood type tends to be a little bit more appealing to them or they're pregnant or they've got a high body heat. Those those <laughs> kinds of people tend to get bitten more. Put that on your Tinder request form. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, once, the, once the wet is over, it is important to ventilate the house, not only for, well, not particularly for mosquitoes, but things like cockroach infestations that you might get during a wet period like this. Ventilation is probably one of the answers. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, whilst they're coming into your house to find somewhere drier, uh, you've got to remember, and I mean, it's probably obvious to a lot of people when, you know, you look around your house that your house isn't exactly as dry as what it used to be. Um, and so drying out those surfaces and getting that ventilation is going to discourage things like cockroaches from hanging around because they're a fan of humid environments. So whilst everything outside is flooded, our houses, you know, they're storing up a little bit of that humidity inside and it's a bit hot. So they're going to do really well in that. So if you can, or as soon as you can, I guess, as things hopefully start to uh, settle down with the rain, able to ventilate those spaces out to just try and dry everything out a little bit to discourage them from you know, they can they can go find their own homes again. Yeah, exactly. And 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 just to finish, snakes and spiders because they're they're the, the the somewhat more alarming things that sometimes come inside during a, a a big wet. Yeah, so especially something like um our funnel web spiders, their burrows will will get flooded uh, flooded, and so they'll they'll flee those rising waters uh, as as will many species of snakes. And if you do have them come into your house, obviously you don't want to touch them. Um, you don't want to handle them yourselves. You should be able to call a local wildlife group who will be able to assist you in, in relocating them. Um, but, it, you know, it's also a good idea to maybe open the doors or open the windows if you can for them to find their own way out whilst you're keeping an eye on them, whilst you're calling for somebody to help you. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of the spiders, the, the, the ones that are not, uh, not too dangerous, the spider webs are one of the, one of the uh, good ways of controlling the mozzies and the flies and other in insects which you might not like. Yeah, I mean, having a friendly huntsman in your house is probably not a bad thing um, at this time. And they're probably a bit more visible because obviously outside it's, it's not as dry for them to, to get around 
incognito. So, yeah, having them around is, is probably not all that bad. All right. Hooray to the and huntsman. And they will go away. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, Eliza, fantastic lesson. Thanks so much. Thank you. There's a Dr. Eliza Middleton. She's the lab manager of the Invertebrate Behaviour and Ecology Lab at the University of Sydney. You can listen again to Eliza's lesson online at abc.net.au slash sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. You can subscribe to TGIF too while you're there. Next week, Dr. Anne Rogerson, the Charles Tesserero lecturer in Latin at the University of Sydney. Her topic, the ancient biographies of the Roman poets. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week. Music.